Welcome into this week's episode of Bill's Pod Squad. Maddie Glad here is your host, and I'm with my co-host, of course, Kim Pagula, Bill's owner and president. Uh, Kim, we are rolling on, looking ahead to week 10. I can't believe it, but I can believe it at the same time that we are almost mid-November now, and soon enough we'll start hearing the players saying things like, Games matter in December and January. And I'm like, how are we already here? <laughs> and well, we haven't had any snow yet either, Maddie. I'm, I hear that we might have some this weekend, the first snowfall, but mid, you know, mid early November, no snow yet. So, so far, so good. Looking pretty good. I know it's funny because some of our new players, of course, like you, you come to Buffalo and you hear about the winter and like how it can be really snowy and, you know, maybe not the most attractive weather place to be. And so Emmanuel Sanders, um, anytime the weather's a little bit more interesting, uh, whether whether it's me or somebody from the local media um, always has a comment about the weather for him because he also brings it up all the time. And so far he's been like, I think you guys are making this place out to be something really more intense than it actually is. I mean, today's practice was beautiful. It was so sunny. Everybody had like coats on that they took off because it got too warm. So I think a lot of the new players think that we're just like joking, but with them. <laughs> they'll learn soon enough, maybe. <laughs> They, they will. So I know this past week uh, after the Jaguars game, you got to spend some time with um, the coaches' wives and some of the scouting department's um, wives. I think it's so cool, and it's it's no shock at all that an organization like this, um, even outside of the players and outside of the coaching staff, um, puts time into creating relationships with each other. I mean, of course, you guys do that um, with the wives and girlfriends of, of coaches and players. And I see a lot of times on Instagram or uh, on Twitter that you guys are finally, not that you guys did this last year because everybody was on lockdown last year, but finally this year, you guys are able to do things like that. And I know I saw some events in the beginning of the season to kind of introduce some of the new women into the Buffalo Bills. And this past weekend, you got to spend time with some of the other wives. So uh, how was that? And why, why is there an importance put on the fact of like spending time together and creating a relationships with these women? So uh, someone said to me one time, happy wife, happy life. <laughs> I took that to heart. I took that to heart. When, you know, as you, as you know, we allude to a lot of time about family, the importance of family and, and the, the importance of how things that happen at home and off field can have an effect on what happens on field. Um, certainly getting to know not just our players, but what what happens, you know, in their lives, just like we're going to be talking to AJ soon uh, about his things going on in his personal life. I, I do think that it's important and being a part of, of the NFL, being a coach is, is no easy task. Uh, granted, you know, there are certainly perks that go along with it, but it also uh, takes a big drain on their family and their personal life. And while I cannot make you know, play calls, I can't help the offense with some of their running plays or their passing or, or the defense or any of that thing. What I can do though, is to provide just some balance throughout their, their life. And I think having that relationship, getting uh, women together just to, to relax, we all are going through the same thing, whether it's COVID, whether it's our children, whether it's, you know, work-life balance. I find that there's so much 
so many things that we have in common. And it's just nice to kind of give each other a break, um, have some common bond and just get to you know appreciate each other. And I think then they go back and, and back in their home and back to their day to day. And I think there is an appreciation to among our coaches, knowing that their wives are in a good place, that their home life is, you know, is in a good place, you know, whether it's for a day or a week, you know, for the whole year. Um, I, I think it's just really important to have that that balance and peace of mind um, in a season that is long. We don't usually get together, but we just, uh, but you know, many of us were at the Jacksonville game, so we were able to uh, commiserate afterwards uh, on yeah. that. But, uh, but I just, I do think that it is important, and I know I personally get a lot out of it. I get busy, I get tied up, I'm focusing on football and the team and and the wins and losses. Um, it's also a good reminder for for myself as well to slow things down, find a little balance have some laughs and, you know, take some time off. Um, and now I'm ready to get back, back to work. Yeah. I think it's also so cool. And I mean, it goes without saying like just being with women or, or men, whoever it may be, but people that you share a similar lifestyle with, I mean, is, is something that bonds you so quickly. Um, I've talked about it on here before. Um, I'm in a group text with all the other NFL team reporters. And like, we have things in common that nobody else in the world does because of our jobs. And it's the same scenario for coaches, wives, and just people who are around the world of football so much that just bonds you just so quickly and creates a bond that, that could last for a lifetime. So I think it's really cool that um, you, you head up some of that and, and take the time to make sure those relationships are made and that new people feel welcome. Um, but also also wanted to, before we have AJ Klein on, so AJ Klein is our guest this week. He's a linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. He's in his ninth season. So this is a veteran player um, who's who's been around the league and who knows a lot about football and is a great player. So we have him on this week, but not to talk about football. Uh, we have him on to talk about National Adoption Month. November is National Adoption Month. He has an adopted son named Cannon. And looking at AJ, he's one of those football players that you look at him and you're like, he is a scary looking dude. He just looks like he is a football player, but you guys will hear in a second. He is way more of a softy than I thought he was. Uh, but Kim, you have a tie to national adoption month too. I know some people know this, but maybe not everybody knows that you are adopted. Um, so would you like to share your story um, about your adoption, whether that be um, how it came to be or what you think of national adoption month, just to set up our conversation with AJ? Yes, I was very fortunate, so blessed to be um, adopted. My parents office were from Canada and actually became U.S. citizens so that uh, solely for the reason so they could adopt me. That was one of the wow. rules that, that they had to do. So they moved into the U.S. into Rochester, where I grew up in town of Fairport, had two older boys. So really no need, you know, except just felt like in their heart that they had more to give and chose the adoption route. Um, and I was, you know, blessed to be adopted by them. I tell people all the time that I was chosen, whether or not, you know, back in the day, there wasn't, you know, they didn't get to, to choose like anything. They just said, whatever you have, we're, we're open to adoption. And I was very fortunate. Um, I was left in, in South Korea at a 
at the police station, um, you know, with no parents, was put into an orphanage uh, where there I was there and then was adopted from there in South Korea. I had the um, awesome, awesome opportunity a um, few years ago to go back to Korea yeah. with, with my dad, with my children, with my husband uh, to kind of experience kind of where it all began. It's a 12 hour flight. And so, you know, throughout growing up throughout my whole life, it just seemed like a far off place for me, you know, just that's where I was born. But like, there was just was, was no relationship or link of just because it was so, so far away. And this was the first time I had been back and was able to, you know, visit the adoption agency that's still, um, still in operation today, was able to go to the spot where my building was, where I, I had spent about six months, six, nine months, and um, the adoption agency is still there. And then just to kind of be, you know, take it all in. And I, I will tell you what a great opportunity. It was a great opportunity for my kids to see where I came from and show great appreciation uh, for that. Um, but I, I will say that everything people always ask me, you know, was there something, you know, what, what do you, what's, was the big thing that changed in your life or, you know, what, you know, what was so important or is there any pivot points in your life that you, that you feel like you became a success or, you know, just what, what are some big moments that led you to where you are now? And I say it all started with that adoption. I just cannot imagine um, my life where I would be um, without someone in this world feeling like they had more love uh, to give and me being so lucky to be chosen to be that person. So I'm so blessed uh, to be here, to be um, an adoptee, and I, I would recommend it to to many, and I look forward to to hearing AJ's story. Wow, that is um, so cool to hear that, and, and to hear a little bit about your story, uh, being adopted and, and coming to the United States, and hearing that your parents became U.S. citizens just so they could adopt you. Like, how special is that? Um, that's such a cool note and nugget, and and we'll hear that from AJ and, and just what it meant to adopt his son and the process that he went through uh, doing it, and hear a little bit more about your adoption, which I know you said there were some pictures out there, so we, we may have to dig those up, Kim. <laughs> okay, yeah. Let's yeah. <laughs> just say I was having a bad hair day. In, yeah. In hey, well, you only have good hair days now, so... <laughs> Well, we'll get right to our conversation with AJ. Uh, AJ Klein is, like I said, he's been in the NFL for nine years. He's played for the Carolina Panthers, of course, uh, that lovely pipeline from the Panthers to the Bills. But he also played for the Saints before coming to Buffalo. So he knows uh, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott from their earlier days with the Carolina Panthers. So here's our conversation with AJ Klein. AJ, thank you so much for taking the time to be on our podcast this week. We always love hearing from our players, especially ones um, that have cool stories, whether that be on the field or off the field. And you definitely have a cool story of your own. We wanted to have you on in November because November is National Adoption Month. Um, so we'll just... <laughs> we'll just start off right there. Um, it's an important month for both you and Kim. We'll go with you first, AJ. Why do you have an appreciation for this month to begin with? Well, first of all, appreciate you having me on. Um, anytime I can talk about my son and obviously the month um, Adoption Awareness Month is, is uh, an opportunity for me to spread my story and 
the story of my son and the love that comes from adoption. So um, it's, it's, for me, it started um, as a, as a prayer and uh, having God pray on my heart a little bit of whether or not I was ready for adoption or not, because it's a big step. And I'm, I'm just more than thankful um, that he did speak to my heart and that I ended up uh, going through with the adoption. And now my son is, is my world. So AJ, did you have, um, you know, you, you said you were praying for it. Was there a lot of apprehension? Was it just, you know, the unknown, whether or not you were ready to be a father versus just um, adopting someone that you didn't know who this person was or where they came from? What, what was that apprehension like for you? So for me, the apprehension, obviously a little bit of both. Um, I wasn't a father yet. Um, my son, Cannon, made me a father. Um, and I just... Adoption is um, after going through it, you have to learn a lot about the process. Like a lot of people don't necessarily know the steps and the process that you have to go through to actually go through with an adoption um, and all the things that come along with it. So whether or not you want to open and close adoption, and I think this is kind of the, the awareness I want to bring to the situation as well, is some of the, even though adoption is such a beautiful thing, I think there are some things that we as adoptive parents or people that have been touched by adoption can bring to the forefront is that it's not an always a clean um, process. Like there's, there's some, um, I don't want to say skeletons in the closet, but it's, it's things that I learned that made me, um, how do I want to phrase it the right way? So just for example, when you put in for the adoption process, um, you get to choose basically, you're basically buying a baby and that's, and that's kind of hard, a hard pill to swallow at first. Um, so I think part of that was the apprehension was like, is this really for me? Is this really for us? Um, and it's, it's hard to be given a list and being like, well, I would like this nationality or I would want this gender or I would want whatever it may be. And to go into it with just an open mind and everything like you know what i'm going to pray to god about this and we're just going to be open to every possibility and whatever child whether it's male female white black asian mexican mixed it doesn't matter that child was meant for um to be my son or my daughter so um that was a little bit of the apprehension and then um obviously i wasn't a father yet and i was obviously with um, my ex-wife we were trying to get pregnant at the same time um, and my, thankfully my daughter was born six months later. So it was a busy household for me. So, um, they're six months and two days apart and they are best of friends more than anything. And it just, it was a lot to, to swallow in, in a, such a short period of time. And what makes my story a little bit different filled out, did the adoption process, did the home study. And usually you're on a waiting list for about a year and a half, two years before you can get chosen or placed. We were placed in less than two weeks and wow. he was born three months later. So it was like lickety split. Um, it was really fast. So it was a lot to digest, but I mean, now looking back on it all, I kind of go one, thank God for bringing us through that and, and getting everything done. We had a little hiccup with the adoption process and the courts, um, but everything worked out smoothly and it happened the way it was exactly supposed to happen. Well, AJ, my, my adoption process was 
was that was quick, but not quite as two weeks quick. <laughs> but um, but if you can recall back then, back when I was, you know, five, four and a half years old, which was a long time ago, there's no cell phones, right? There's no yeah. internet, there's none of that stuff. So my parents had to do everything old school by snail mail. And mine, of course, was an international adoption. So that was yeah. even slower. So my dad recalls like he would have to write a letter, put it in the mail you know, fill out the forms and you sit, literally just sit there and wait and wait to get a letter back. So, so <laughs> you are fortunate that um, you, we are let, now live in a world where some of that you, you don't have to go through. Um, but either, either way, the fact that um, for me, I'm obviously a huge advocate of adoption. What I love to tell people, and I'm sure you feel the same way, is that um, I, I feel my, my parents as well had two natural birth uh, boys. Um, who were already born when I came along. And um, the fact, I always just tell the people that, you know, when you're adopted, you're chosen, right? So nothing wrong with, you know, natural birth, nothing wrong with quote, you know, quote accident, you know, or yeah. you know, surprise or whatever, whatever all those other ways of coming into this, uh, uh, coming into this world. But, um, but I always just tell people that I was so fortunate because I feel like adoption is, is someone cared enough like you uh, to, to go through the process to, to actually choose to have a, be a part of someone's life and choose this person um, to be part of their lives forever. Um, yes. And it's a special feeling that I think all ad adoptees um, should always know that they were um, chosen. That's a really great point, Kim. Um, do you remember anything? Do you remember that day off the top of your head still um, when you were when you got adopted and when you came to the United States? Well, there are some embarrassing pictures of me, um, Maddie, I'm not going to lie. Um, so if you can, you know, like, again, that's, you know, I'm in a way long ago time capsule. And so um, there's, I, I don't, I'm, I'm sure that I remember things because I was told things and I've seen the pictures, but on my adoption, uh, I would say that um, I went to Howard Johnson's, which I don't, you know, any probably is not, there's no Howard Johnson's anymore, but used to be not only a hotel, but used to be a restaurant. So that was my first, um, my first restaurant. And I ate spaghetti, which is still one of my all time favorite foods uh, to this day. Um, so those are kind of things that I remember. And I do have some, some pictures of me back in the day. And I was fortunate when I turned 50, my parents kind of framed for me my little outfit that, that I wore on the plane when I landed here in the US. So as, as a reminder of, uh, of where I came from. Wow. So awesome. Yeah, that's a really cool story. And AJ, I'm sure Cannon is going to have a story like that um, when he's older and, and able to, you know, advocate for, for being adopted and, and for people who are looking to adopt or, or opening their hearts to the idea of adopting. And I, I love having both of you on to talk about this because it's something personally that I really want to do later in life. And I feel like um, God has given me that heart to want to do that. Um, so it's just so also insightful to hear from the both of you with your experiences, um, just because it's something that I've really wanted to do for a long time. So hopefully later in life, I'll, I'll be able to do that and be blessed with the opportunity to do that. But AJ, going through the process, I know you talked a little bit already just about the process of adopting Canon. Um, but can we just get into a little bit more about how crazy it was to have Canon and then have Bowie 
um, within like a six month span. And especially as you said, like being a new dad, there's some unsureness about just being a dad to begin with. And, you know, all the responsibility that comes along with like, all right, I'm going to really have to be mature now. Not saying that you are mature to not (laughs) mature to begin with, but like, it's like, all right, I'm going to be a dad and I'm going to be an adapt, a dad to an adopted son. And then Mm -hmm. here comes my daughter, not too long after what was that whirlwind like welcoming two kids into the world? Yeah, I think, I think for me going through the entire process, it never really hit me until the day he was born. I was in the room. We were in the room for the the birth. Um, We were able to hold him right away, had our own room in the hospital. So we spent the first night with us. Um, Like I just remember my first night actually being able to sit and hold him. And I just started crying because you don't realize the gravity of the situation. You don't realize like, just the instantaneous love that came out of it um, was something, and it's a feeling I'll never forget. I'm kind of getting chill bumps just thinking about it because one, you're thrust into this position of being a father and now having not only responsibility for yourself, but this tiny human that you have to care, love and cherish. And it's not just, it's not, I don't want to say it's a a dog, but like people always try to say like, Oh, you have pets. It's a completely different type of love. And it hit me all in one, one shot. So, um, I took that responsibility and (laughs) him coming on so fast and, and, um, then Bowie being born six months and two days later, um, during the football season, uh, to juggle that and to have two kids, there's a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of, uh, I mean, a lot of changing of diapers. I could say that much, but (laughs) it, uh, I don't know. It's, it's just a feeling that's hard to describe the amount of um, just the innate flip of a switch that goes from old you to new you being dad. And um, your parents always tell you, you never know what it's like um, the love that you have for your children until you become a parent. And I mean, that couldn't be more true. Right. And I think the, the quick, the quick bond that you talked about earlier, um, they're best of friends and uh, that the, just the short difference in age, I'm sure really helped cement and bond, bond that relationship of, of brother and sister. I know that yes. um, although I was, uh, my, my next older brother was three years and we're all three years apart, um, but uh, coming into their lives when I was five, and they were eight, like I, you know, there's certainly a bond there that they, and especially because I was the youngest, so they took, took good care of me. Uh, but, um, but I'm sure that all that that you went through, and your your children now have have taken that and really cemented that into a bond um, of brother and sister that I, I'm sure is just wonderful to see. Oh yeah, it's funny. One of them leaves the room, and then Bowie's like, "Where's Cannon?" Like, where'd he go? Like, they can't, they can't even be separate from each other because they're always looking for each other. It's so cute. Go ahead. I I was going to say, I do have one crazy story, which is not really relevant to anything we're talking about, but (laughs) I'm going to share it. I mean, it's a little bit relevant, but I'm going to share it because I think it's the funniest thing ever. So as you know, my husband and I were about 18 years apart. Mm -hmm. So when I was first dating him, talking about you know where I came from and adoption he was asking questions and he's like I was telling him you know that I came to the U.S. on on New Year's Eve right and the year it was and how I flew into JFK and he's like oh my gosh he's like I 
like I was there. He's like, I was at that airport. He said, and you recall the meeting that he went to and all. So he's like, no, I swear I was in that airport uh, at the same time or the same day um, as, uh, as when I came here to the US for the first time. So um, anything is possible for your kids. That's so, that's so, that's so funny. Like <laughs> paths will always cross in the weirdest ways. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, um, that is a very crazy story. And who would have thought that that would have happened? And also the realization of both you and Terry when you guys were talking about that. I cannot imagine the look <laughs> on his face. <laughs> um, how old is Cannon and Bowie now? And you kind of explained their relationship, but what is it like now that they're able to talk and, and they're getting older together? So uh, Cannon will be three January 25th, and then Bowie will be three next July, um, the July 27th. So they are, I don't know if anybody keeps up with my Instagram stories. They're always on off days. We're always cooking. We're doing stuff outside. Yesterday was rolling around in leaves and cooking pot roast. And um, like I said, they're right next to each other all the time. But it's interesting to see them be so close in age because I think just like the maturation process and childhood development and all that stuff, they are like neck and neck with each other. They're both like at the same thing, I think with Cannon being a little bit older, she's like trying to keep up with him. And um, it's just awesome to see they have their own little conversations, they play together, but they also at the same time are very independent. Um, they both have completely different personalities. Bowie's strong, independent, she's goofy, she laughs, like she thinks the funniest little things, I can get her to laugh just by making faces at her. And Cannon's kind of more my sensitive boy. He likes to cuddle when he wakes up. Um, from, from naps in the morning, he's kind of like, my groggy guy, but just loves being held. Um, so it's, it's really cool to see their personalities, even though how they complement each other so well, but how different they are too. You know, it's funny. Uh, do you find yourself, you know, you, we often, parents often um, talk about, you know, your one child is more like me, your other child is more like, you know, the father or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, do you, you find that? Because honestly, I find like sometimes that I'm like my adoptive mom, even though I know genetically yeah. it's not, there's nothing there. Those genes are not there. And then I always joke that there's a lot of things that, you know, I, I didn't get from my mom, like my, my singing voice. I can't yeah. sing with the <laughs> um, But I, I do find that there is such a balance between nature and nurture. And, um, and certainly personalities come out. Anyone that has kids, multiple kids know that no child is, even, even if it's genetically the same, same two parents, every child is different. Um, but it's interesting to see how um, your child, when you're adopted, still from the nurture that you give them in the environment that they're on, can take on characteristics of, you know, of, of the parent, even if it's, yeah. there's no, you know, biological, genetical um, bond, you know, bond to that. But um, so, so is he, so who's more, you know, is Cannon a bone more like you, you think, or? I think, I think we both, love on them the same like I think they're independent obviously they're kind of young to see like what traits they're going to take from from mom or dad um that would be something maybe down the road that would be like oh this is your mom this is your dad and be able to do that now but to do that now it's a little tough just because they're so young yeah. but um I don't know hopefully they get all the good traits from both of us so <laughs> Looking, looking back at that decision that you made, you know, uh, to decide to adopt Cannon and where he's at right now being um, three years old, how did Cannon change your life? One, he made me a father, um, something that, like, 
Kim, like you said earlier, like you're chosen as an adoptive child. And that's one thing he was chosen. And at the end of the day, nobody can take away that he's the one that made us, made us parents. Um, other than having to juggle toddlers and, and become a dad and be able to multitask and um, work on nap schedules and cooking and cleaning and like all the stuff of being a parent. But um, from a deeper perspective, he's really increased, um, I mean, just patience and myself in general. Like you can't, having kids changes you because you realize like, Hey, you can't reason with the two-year-olds. You can't reason with the three-year-old. They're going to do what they're going to do. Um, so for me personally, my, my patience has just been fantastic. Like make a mess, break something, do this, do that. Like I have, I, it doesn't bother me anymore. Like that's that part of the old me is dead and gone. And now it's kind of like the go with the flow dad that, you know what? No mistake is, is a bad mistake because we always can learn from it. So children are the best teachers. <laughs> yes. Yeah, they really are. Um, I grew up with a younger brother and a younger sister. So um, I know what it was like being a, being a sibling and, and getting to learn from them, even though they're younger than me. Um, but just being a part of the NFL, being on an NFL team, um, wherever you were, I mean, you've been on multiple teams, but mm -hmm. do you think being on an NFL team has helped you be a better dad? Um, just in having teammates that are also dads, conversations that you guys have about being a parent or about relationships with your kids, or I just think about the Buffalo Bills. And I know last year and this year is completely different with COVID, but mm -hmm. in 2019, I mean, kids were running around all the time here on, on Tuesdays during off days or whether it was the off season. And I just look at this organization as one that's very family friendly. So I was just curious, you know, is being in the NFL or maybe being around some of the coaches here or some of the players here um, helped you be a better dad at all? just with all the teamwork and team building that you guys do every day yeah there's there's quite a few examples of guys whether it's in Carolina or in New Orleans and now here obviously I, I've, I'm praying for the day that that off day Tuesdays comes back and the kids can come in and run around hopefully next year it comes back but um, Drew Brees was a great example when I was in New Orleans my three years he had his boys and they would come in and they would just go bananas they would be playing on the turf running around getting the cold tub with us getting the hot tub I mean just having that family atmosphere is huge and having those kids around allows you to see other dads and how they parent and it doesn't necessarily have to be a even though we always did talk about our kids or um, what it's like to be a parent Ben Watson another great um, resource as well and he's got a few books as well but just to see other dads and other players and how they interact with their kids. And you can pick up little tidbits from everybody. And then not to mention within our, our chapel services, um, talking about being servant leaders and being men of God. Um, I think that as well just creates the cohesiveness that you need because at the end of the day, everybody has to rely on someone and talk to somebody. And I think that's one thing about our locker room and even the locker rooms that I've been in with in the past in New Orleans and Carolina, it's always been open. People have always been very um, honest with takes on anything, whether it's being a fit, being a parent, being a husband, being a um, teammate, uh, politics. I mean, any conversation is always um, open for discussion. I think that's what makes 
an NFL locker room, the most unique workplace in the entire world, in my opinion. People from all different backgrounds, people from all different um, ethnicities. I mean, just life experiences brought together for one common goal and one common purpose. And that brings out the best in everybody. So I've um, been very fortunate to have that here as well. Uh, but I am looking forward to getting the kids in this building and having them run around with all the other kids, hopefully soon. Let's talk about your experience in Carolina. <laughs> One thing I would love to know um, is, is, you know, obviously you were on that team that, that went to the Super Bowl. Um, you know, you know Coach McDermott, uh, yep. Brandon Bean. Just want to know, you know, back then, back then, what changes uh, for the good, we only want to know about the good, <laughs> changes for the good, have, have you seen a difference in, in either Coach McDermott or Brandon Mean in, in how you knew them? Maybe you didn't know them in quite the, obviously the same way as you know them now as, as head coach and GMs, but, um, but being on that team back in, that, in Carolina and having those guys being part of that team, um, what, what's, how have so you So I, I will say, I will say with Bean's more behind the scenes, so we don't get our day-to-day -day interaction with Bean as much, but um, I can say Bean's always cared about you as a person, even though he's not the coach that's always around in the meetings, even though he's out on the practice field, you're always able to just go up and be very personal, be open um, with anything that you've got going on. They truly care about you. Same with Coach McDermott. We can't, it starts with building and uh, building an organization starts with getting men of character and people of character within your building. And I think that's one thing that they've done here in Buffalo. They've gone out and gotten pieces and they truly care about you as a person, as parent, father, whatever it is outside of football. They want to care. They care about everything besides football. That's what makes them great coaches and great people and great leaders. Um, I will say one thing with, with Coach McDermott. I remember when he was a DC in Carolina, he was always on top of everything. Like, and I kind of I kind of joke with him here once in a while is he always wants to come over and see the defense work, right? Defensive coordinator by trade, wants to be heavily involved with defense. And I can just see him chomping at the bit, wanting to get back into like just having control of the defense. Whereas now his his responsibilities are a lot larger than just one side of the football. And um he gives me, we go back and forth because he's like, oh, you're, just like, you're the old man. That's no fun. We did the little scare tactic thing with the the hollow. What, what is that thing even called? The scary uh, Halloween. The like Halloween doll. I saw it in the yeah, hallways. That, that, hiding yeah, that's all in the hallway the around. Place. They're trying to scare guys with And I just walked past and like gave it a, uh, a peace sign. And he's like, oh, you're no fun. I was like, you're, I said, I'm no fun. I said, I see you. I see you in the back watching us on defense, just crossed arms, not saying anything. So, um. No, I just can't emphasize enough how much they truly care. And um, they've always been there for me uh, through the passing of my father, even back in um, 2016 when my dad passed away of cancer. Um, Bean got on the plane. I think, yeah, it was Bean. Bean got on the plane with Greg Olson, Luke Keekley, and they took a private jet to be at my dad's funeral. Mm -hmm. um, they, I can't say many other people or organizations would have made that effort to support somebody in a time of need. And I know we've had um, guys here that have lost loved ones in the past year, two years, and the outpouring of love from them is, um, is unmatched, I think. One more football question, then we'll end up with a, and end us with an adoption question, but how much fun is it playing for Leslie Frazier's defense and, and just being a part of that group? I mean, anytime he talks like, he just like 
is one of the most insightful people that I hear from just in regards to his, his defensive strategy, how, how he builds his fundamentals or his background for defense as a whole. I mean, the, the dude was a part of the Chicago bears defense that shut down pretty much every team. Um, But how much fun is it to be a part of that unit with a defensive coordinator, like, like Leslie Frazier? Well, it's, it's, it's fun because one, I think Leslie does a great job of giving us a clear vision of what he wants from us as players and what he wants to create on his defense and his defensive scheme. Um, Open honesty, communication, going into every single game, every single week, whether the game plan, is long or, or short and small. He's always asking guys for their feedback, their input. He really wants to know what the players are thinking. And I think that's what separates him from other coaches is he cares about what we think about the game plan. And, um, but also when he gets up in front and talks to us every, every afternoon, clear plan moving forward, what we're going to, how we're going to attack the next day. And it gives us a clear vision moving forward so we can go out and, and compete and do the best that we can on, on game days and in practice when we prepare. So um, a lot of fun. And I, I obviously we, we, uh, we take pride in our defensive football here. So um, I'm very fortunate to be a part of this group. Yeah. I mean, yeah you, guys- know, you know what I, I, you know what I didn't know about Leslie and AJ, you probably can confirm all this, but I, you know, I, I'd like to talk to the coaching staff in general and just, people on on the football operations just just chatter and, and talk and and I was asking um, Luis who oversees uh, some of our analytics like you know who's really into this analytics and and applying the data and you know he does it for everybody but like you know who's who's really into it and he said Leslie Frazier he said by far is so in tune to the information that we give him and he always wanting to learn more and more and more and absorbing the information and how we can use it. And I was just so surprised because I was here, you know, probably um, unfairly biased thinking, oh, it's the younger coaches who are, you know, very high tech savvy and, you know, like they probably are into all this, this data stuff. And it was Leslie and, and that just, it, it confirms what you know and you think about Leslie as just this, you know, wise, sage that just he just comes across and and i'm like now i know because that is how he works just always wanting to learn always absorbing information how to get better using all the tools that you need um even though he's had so much experience um in his past life he never he stays humble to say i don't know everything and how can i learn even more so i i'm sure aj you you would agree with that but i was like I completely agree. Just it's a testament to him, his character as a man, but also his his humility, like you said, to be in this profession for so long, being a player, now being a coach, that he's still trying to learn and constantly evolve every single day. So, I mean, as a player, to hear that from you, obviously, I think we can we understand when he has Dennis come out and give the presentations and how important it is to to take that information, digest it, and use it. But um, a great example to never be complacent with where you are to always continue to learn. And like I said, we always talk about servant leaders and examples. He's a great example. Yeah. So happy that he's in our building. I I hope he's here forever, but I know a lot of teams probably want him as their head coach, especially with what the Buffalo bills have been able to do on defense the last couple of seasons. I mean, you guys are the best in the NFL right now, but um, last question I'm going to, have this question be for both of you guys. Um, 
since it's National Adoption Month, what what is a piece of advice that you would give to people who are interested in adopting, but um, maybe a little bit scared about the process, like you talked about, AJ, um, some of the things that you didn't know to know about getting into it. Um, so what would be a piece of advice that you would give to people? And then second, what is something that's not out there about adoption that you think should be more talked about? Um, AJ, we can start with you. Okay. Um, so the first piece, I will say for people that are on the edge of their seat, whether or not they want to adopt or not, I would say do your research as much as you can. Um, there obviously are different adoption agencies across the country, and you have to be comfortable with picking an agency that, in my opinion, should be ethical, that has ethical practices, that's very transparent in how they conduct their adoptions. Um, and if you don't feel comfortable, don't feel Let's say don't feel um, bad for taking a step back and letting everything process. But I would say do your research, feel comfortable with your decision of who you decide to go with. And if you see anything or, or have any um, hesitation, I think that's probably like we always say, like your gut instinct can tell a lot. And if you have that gut instinct where like something's not right, and you just need to take a step back. Don't feel bad for taking a step back and continuing to do your research before you jump in. Um, but at the same time, on the opposite end of that, obviously find an ethical um, agency and at the same time, take a leap of faith. Um, taking that leap of faith is, is what I did and was part of my experience. And, and like I said, I, I can't, it's changed my life forever. Um, and the second part of that question is something, what was that again? Something that- Something that may not be out there about okay. adoption yes. that you wish was out there, you wish was talked about on the subject. Yes. Um, so it was in the back of my head. So um, every single year there's, I think right now there's over a million, million families in the country that are on the wait list for adoptions um, that are trying to go through the process and are waiting to be placed. Um, at the same time, I think we also have to be very open and transparent with the financial costs of adoption as well. And I think that's some something that I want to probably hopefully or try to pursue um, when I'm done playing football. But how can we make adoption more um, more financially affordable for these families that necessarily don't have that kind of money to put towards an adoption? There are so many children out there, whether it's in the foster care system, um, in, in the adoption system, newborns, like Kim, how you were four to five years old, there's so many children that need love and need families. And, and how, do, how can we make that more affordable? And how can we um, continue to advocate for these kids? Um, I, I, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking to see, especially, I don't wanna get into political, but there's children that need our love and there's children that need families. And um, I just want everybody to know that, hey, there are lots of children that are ready for adoption. And there are a lot of children that might be in foster care, whether you choose to adopt or not, if you can get involved in some way, way shape or form, and I think it'll pay off. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And Kim, um, what about you? Um, what is and a, a piece of advice that you have for people who, who may be interested or, or who may be open to looking into adoption? And then also what's, what's something that you wish was more out there about um, adoption? 
Well, uh, you know, I'm a little bit different than AJ because I was the one adopted and not the one doing the adoption. Um, so I probably have a little bit of a different viewpoint. Um, I'm probably going to say, you know, what what I like to would share with with others is, you know, just like being a parent, there is never a good time to be a parent. So, you know, I, I think you did say, though, AJ, like, you know, to, to go all in, to jump in, uh, because, you know, there's, you know, I would just encourage people if you're trying to plan it out, I agree, do the things that AJ says. Um, I didn't have to go through that process, so I'm gonna trust in him, but making sure that that you're comfortable with who's facilitate, facilitating the adoption. But if you just wait because you're not sure the right time, like there's, there's so many things that you can talk yourself out of and yeah. there is no right time um, as a parent when your child comes, whenever that is through adoption or, or, or through natural birth, you know, AJ uh, will say it's, it's instantaneous love. Um, and so, and you, there's nothing you can do to prepare for being a parent. And it, it does come, um, it, it'll come to you. It'll, you'll know what to do. Um, so I, I would just say, you know, it just um, if you, if you, something that you feel in your heart is for you, um, there's hurdles for sure, but that shouldn't stop you. Um, and, you know, it's okay to be scared, but you know, what you're going to get uh, out of at the end of it is by, by far surpasses that. And anything that I would want just out there about adoption, I think, again, when I, when I was adopted, I did not have a lot of other adopted kids network around me. So there was always a constant, I'm going to say, well, for me, it was obvious that I was adopted. So, but, so there was always constant um, wanting to fit in, right? So you don't, you know, I spoke, I learned English so quickly because of course, you know, I had to, but like, it's also because, you know, you want to fit in. So if anything else, I would just say for adopted children that are already out there, you know, that obviously no shame whatsoever, whatsoever in being adopted. Um, you should feel like you are chosen and that you should also, you know, connect with other, other adopted kids. Cause I think there is a, a, a different bond with um, um, that and experiences that you can all share and help. So I would just ask, you know, if you're adopted and, you know, other kids um, to share your experiences and uh, to network with them and, and give them the, your support. Thank you so much, guys. I, I appreciate the conversation. And AJ, thanks so much for being on and, and taking the time after meetings. Um, now that we're close to six o'clock here. Um, no, you're fine. I, I appreciate you sharing all that. And it's so cool to just I don't know, hear from a player off completely off the field on a subject like this that you clearly have so much passion for and you can just see how big your heart is uh, with how you explain it. I think a lot of people think of you as like this big, bad linebacker <laughs> on the Buffalo Bills. And then it's just a softie. Yeah, Wait, don't I'm, a, I'm, a big, I'm a big softie. That's what kids do to you. They, they just they reduce you down to the smallest little yeah, yeah. thing. So that's but that's a good thing. I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm a big softie around my kids. I yeah. love it. AJ, thank you so much. Thank you, uh, AJ. Appreciate the thank time. Thank you, guys. And good appreciate luck the rest of the on. season. Yeah, thank you very much. Have a great evening. What a wonderful conversation with AJ. Uh, so amazing to hear his story and so cool to kind of get to see just how big his heart is through his his love for his son, Cannon. Again, I not that I wouldn't expect that from him because of course you expect that from these players just because of the type of person that that comes to play for the Buffalo Bills with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, um, you know, heading all of that up. They just bring in great people. But again, AJ Klein just looks like a football player. 
and my tiny self is just like oh he looks scary but no he's he's not he's a great guy and he's uh scary on the football field for a good reason <laughs> but kim before we wrap up here today um like I said, it's we're approaching the middle of November. Uh, we're kind of in that midpoint of the season. I know you said this time is kind of the the meat for you. Uh, and I know you talked about that before. I think maybe last week or, or the week before. Just once you get into this point of the season, it's just like go, 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 because you're in the middle of hockey and football season now. So it's not like you're preparing for one season to start. We're in the middle of both seasons right now. Yeah, no, th that is true. And I think that as the season progresses, there's constant, you know, ebbs and flows of the season. But as we kind of get starting to the second half, you know, this is where things really come to life. And you're like, oh my gosh, it matters now. And you are just, you're not looking just at your own team. You're looking at all the other teams. You start looking at the standings more often, you know, you start looking at the matchups. And, and so, and then, you know, every, every time someone is, is injured, whether it's the team you're playing or the team or our team, like it just, it feels like everything starts to just, it's been simmering, you know, with, with the first, you know, half <laughs> season. And then now you start, you know, when you boil water and the little bubbles yeah. start coming up on, on the out, not to a full boil yet, but the little bubbles start showing up around the, the outside. That's where I feel this week is the next couple of games is kind of like this. You're, you're not quite yet to the boiling point, but, but you're getting close. So um, yes, it, my anxiety goes up, um, you know, the, every game matters, but, um, but now we really get into the kind yeah. of the meat of the season. It's getting, it's getting real out here. I can definitely say that. But up next is a game against the New York Jets. And I know when we think about division opponents, uh, you know, from a coach's perspective, it's a team that you get to play twice a year. Uh, so you're more familiar with the players. You're more familiar with coaching staff if they've been around for a while. And it's, it's a game that you get to play the opponent twice. So you may be able to scheme up for them a little bit better than an opponent who you don't play, um, all of that type of stuff stuff but from an owner's perspective getting to play division opponents you probably know the owners or people in the ownership group or or people in the front office or whoever that may be you probably have some better relationships maybe with some of those people since you play them multiple times a season or since you get to see the owners multiple times a season so what does that look like maybe not just for the Jets but what does that look like for divisional opponents for you? Do you have better relationships with those owners because you play against them more? Or is it kind of just like a coach's thing where you're like, eh, we still wanna, it's not like there's any like, you know, it's not like we're more better friends because we play each other twice a year. Maybe maybe it it's a little bit more intense of a rivalry. Yeah, it might be opposite. You know, these divisional games are much more meaningful. So, you know, you, you don't want to be ch too chummy chummy. So because yeah, um, okay. you see them all the time and, and, you know, these are important games. We know that we need to win. And I think as we saw in Jacksonville, just coming, you know, another game where, listen, when you play a team that has nothing to lose, that that in itself can can be you know can be tough and while i am you know fully confident in the resilience of our team um but this is the nfl and anything can happen on a given week we've learned that lesson uh probably more times than i than i would like but but we're learning that lesson and we're going into another another game with with a team uh despite their on-field record 
it, it doesn't matter. Each game is about each game each week. And so, um, it, and like I said before, when you know we talk about these are games that matter, we've got two games, we've only played two games in our division. Uh, so, you know, we are gonna have to, you know, these two games and then uh, New England um, are gonna be important games in the second half. So, uh, you know, the urgency is certainly there. But yeah, it, you know, the owner on the ownership side, you know, well, the Jets, it's been a little bit different because he, he was an ambassador yeah. to the UK. Yeah. So I have not actually seen him in what for over four years. So I've not seen, um, you know, Mr. Johnson, Woody Johnson uh, for quite a while. And his brother, you know, took control of the team while he was yeah. gone as the ambassador. So there, there's a little bit of a, of a difference there. But I love going to New York just because the food you know, just the atmosphere. And then now New York just trying to get back into COVID. Um, New York is also a time where we often, you know, we have, as I've talked um, before, just certain things that we do, you know, certain games and being division. So we know we always go to New York and this is the trip we always, our doctors um, always treat Terry and I to a dinner, um, a place that, that they go to every time when we play the Jets. And so we're fortunate enough for them to invite us and we just always have a great, great time with them and seeing them in a completely, just like we, you know, we talk with AJ, seeing them in a different light. It's, yeah. it's nice to have different, they are foodies, they are wine connoisseurs. Um, so it is just always fun to spend time with them and appreciate them uh, spending the time and taking us, taking us out to dinner um, in New York. Yeah, uh, New York has so many good restaurants. You like cannot go wrong with just walking around and stopping into a place that you walk by on the street. Um, that's one thing that I've done when I've gone there. I usually try and like make a bunch of reservations, but what ends up happening is that I'm in like a different part of town when I want to eat dinner. And so then you just are like, this place looks good. And then you sit down and it's like amazing pasta or something like that. <laughs> It, it definitely is but but we got work to do so you know you enjoy saturday night but you know um sunday game day rolls around so gotta get it done yep i agree we'll see how the buffalo bills do this weekend we hope you enjoyed our conversation with aj make sure you stay tuned for more bills pod squad episodes as we'll be having another one coming right to you next week so thanks for tuning in thanks, and we will hear from you and you'll hear from us again soon. So thanks guys.